Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galling. And this is our monthly astrology and tarot podcast where we take a look at the celestial landscape, what's happening in the stars. We pick a tarot card to fit the vibe, all with an eye towards inspiration and helping you to lead a more conscious life. So hello, Stephanie. Megan, how are you? Well, I have to say I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> I can't understand. I can't understand why. Yeah, we have to share that as Stephanie and I were preparing for today's podcast and looking at the astrology. I we had a moment of like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. So bear with us if we, you know, if we have a few problems connecting all the dots every moment, right? So this is a big month. It's April. And one of the big, sorry, I just heard a pounding up there. One of the biggest stories for this month is something that we've been teasing or talking about for a while now, which is that Jupiter conjunct Neptune in Pisces. So let's start there because that is actually happening on April the 12th. Yes. So it happens exactly on April the 12th. But as we've shared with all of you before, like we've been in the wave of it before and it will continue after. It's not, it's like it happens on this day and and that like anchors it, but it's like this ongoing wave. Now, Jupiter and Neptune do come together like every 13 ish years, I believe it is. But the last time that they came together in Pisces was actually back in March of 1856, you know, just yesterday. Wow. Right? But why we're so interested in them coming, I mean, I think if they were coming together in any sign, we'd be interested. But, right, it's extra specially interesting and sparkly, if you will, because both (laughs) Jupiter and Neptune are the planetary rulers of Pisces. So they're both really at home in this sign and they rule this sign and they're coming together in this sign. And so it's like extra special, extra, 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 specially saucy. (laughs) Extra, specially Pisces saucy, right? Exactly. That's that's a whole lot of Pisces sauce in, in, in the mix. And so we're going to talk about that, but I, I want to also just allude to you. You did a little research on research. last time Jupiter and Neptune were in Pisces and just looking over it, it's really fascinating. So why don't you just give us some of the highlights back to March 17th, well, oh, no, not 19, 1858. Yeah, 1856. So that was the exact, and that was the exact day of the conjunction in Pisces. Um, So a couple of notable things that really feel like they fit the vibe of the Jupiter, Neptune, and Pisces, which we may see this time around, or we may be seeing, I should say, is just um, the birth of several people we wanted to speak to. The first was a woman by the name of Florence cook who supposedly was one of the most well-known victorian mediums of the time and like even like a decade or so before the 1856 like there was the spiritualist movement the victorian spiritualist movement which you know and then that kept on getting bigger and bigger and again with spiritualism it's right we're talking about like the breaking of the veil and mediumship and the like the connection with spirit and you know 
and going beyond sort of being contained into one world and and connecting to those in other worlds. And that feels so Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces. Yeah. And, you know, for me, of course, as you know, as a clairvoyant, I, this was a very fascinating time because the spiritualist movement and seances, and this is where tarot cards really started to come into vogue. And people were very, very interested in the other side. And this was really big and the you know aristocracy and in different social circles so that's so fascinating and so pisces so pisces right <laughs> and we're and we see now too sort of this continued desire for interconnection yeah. right and to not feel bound just by this limited reality and to move through you know with you know, people interested in oracles and tarot and, tarot, you know, and astrology and other things. So we have Florence Cook. We also have someone whose work, as we find, we feel like is so Piscean, Frank Baum, who was the oh, author yes. of The Wizard of Oz. Oh my gosh, that's so otherworldly imagination over the rainbow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Frank Baum, um, this one actually really struck my interest. Louis Brandeis, only because I was listening to about him yesterday on the news. Louis Brandeis was a lawyer. He was Brandeis University is named for him. And he was a Supreme Court justice. And up until Brandeis, if to become a Supreme Court justice, like the president would just say, like, I want this person to be and they would get rubber stamped. But Louis Brandeis was the first one who faced a Supreme Court, uh, like a Senate Judiciary confirmation hearing. Mm. And the thought being that it's because he was not just a white Christian male, he was Jewish. Yeah. But so I think too, just like where is this sort of connection is just again, this sense of maybe like this transparency or because of that, it's like you get to sort of see behind the veil. I'm sure there's much more about him that relates to that. And finally, we have- oh, Can I just jump in? Yeah, please. And what, Stephanie, so fascinating that we're right now in the hearings, right? And looking at Such this good. and all the, the controversy about it. So it's, it's interesting how this has come full circle with our first black woman Supreme Court justice. So we really see that kind of full circle there a bit. That's amazing. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. And we're seeing too, just like that those confirmation hearings are, you know, one, two, like you say, like a first Jewish person and then a first like female black nominee for the Supreme Court and also just how these hearings are just like a bit of a circus. That's a nice way of saying it. Um, and then we have John Singer Sargent, who was the leading, very famous artist and the leading portrait painter of the time. And so we think about Pisces, Jupiter and Neptune yes. expanding Pisces in terms of like art and the muse and like taking one sense of representation and moving it into another. And so he feels that just as another way to yeah. sort of anchor that. We talked about spiritualism becoming more of a part of Victorian su uh, subculture. This one I love yes, is that yes. it was the year that the tin type camera was invented. And why is that interesting, right? Because we oftentimes speak about Neptune and Pisces related to um photography because it captures like a an image right and moving yeah. it from one medium to another and what the tin type did was that it actually 
expanded the settings, the subjects, and the situations where a camera could be used instead of it just being a studio. It was brought to like outdoor fairs or man on the street. So it's this expansion of photography, which again feels very Jupiter expanding Neptune and Pisces. Oh my gosh, Stephanie, I'm so glad you did a little bit of research on all that because it also just reminds us that, you know, things happen in in cycles, you know, and and things do come around again in a whole different way. And I just love that context that you've given us. Um, So let's also talk a little bit about what the energies are going to be with the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. And of course, when we think about Pisces and we think about Neptune and very expansive Jupiter, what comes to mind is boundaries, right? So we're going to have this very watery energy. And, you know, one of the things that could be happening is really having this sense of like blurred lines, blurred boundaries, you know, just all this water that is just merging together. Yeah, completely. Like, where's the boundary? And I think on one level, right, and we we speak about this a lot, this blurring of boundary can be beautiful, right? Like, I'm not separate than you. So I get to hold so much more empathy and compassion and love for you. Like, my the rational you know what my mind can connect to is not just what i see and what i hear but this sort of sense of my intuition mm-hmm. right the the expanded perception you know the use of the use i hate don't like that word tapping into one's imagination yes. the healing that can you know come through you know moving into different states of of consciousness or yeah. you know really honoring and revering our unconsciousness so there's beautiful things that come from the blurring of boundaries and then there's the <laughs> not so beautiful things that can come from the you know blurring of boundaries do you want to Take yeah, that you, know, on or- you know, yeah, just back to the blurring of boundaries for for just a minute. I, I love that you're also talking about that compassion and that unity of like kind of coming together in, in a whole different way. Of course, the downside is, you know, Pisces and everybody out there, I'm sure knows by this time that I have my moon in Pisces. And one of the things about that Pisces energy, it can be very sensitive and there's a heightened sensitivity. And even though there's many gifts to that. That, um, that also can really be, we can get tweaked easier. We can get thrown out of alignment a lot easier. We feel deeper. So I think that's something that we're going to be looking at is how do we find containment? Beautiful. You know what I mean? For all of this water and to just kind of keep an eye on those sensitivities. I think that's so important, right? Because we're more apt to feel flooded. You know, there's <laughs> flooded. more of a such permi- a good word, yes. There's more of a permeability. And so if you have access to all of this, it could be very confusing. And also like what's real, what's not real, what's mine, what's not mine. And it all gets sort of mixed up into the soup that could feel at times to be a little bit, um, you know, uncentering. And so to what you said is, I think it's the importance of finding a container for that, finding practices, finding ritual, like honoring that to be able to like feel centered in it as opposed to just again feel like flooded by it or like taken out to sea by it if you will right 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 so 
we've got this going on, but we've got some planets joining in to this mix. Most notably, we have Venus is going into Pisces on what, April the 5th? And so Venus is getting in here with the Pisces energy. And, you know, anytime we're talking about Venus, we're, you know, we're talking about relationships and what we value. And of course, Venus, beauty. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I think Venus is very like Neptune and Jupiter at home in in Pisces. And I think Venus is too. You know, Venus loves the beauty and the magic of Pisces. So let's bring Venus into the mix. Yeah. So to your point, like Venus is very happy. I think she's dignified or exalted in Pisces. So again, very at home. So we have these three planets very at home in this sign and they meet up at the end of the month. They'll meet up exactly at the end of the month. And so It does feel like, you know, thinking about relationships, like how can you open up to more love and compassion and have that move through your relationships? Or do you find a partner, an ally, a friend with whom you can connect and help each other to foster your soulfulness, your, you know, your spirituality, that's, you know, your connection to the numinous can really come through relationships. For certain, it feels like art, like whether you do art or whether you like are a witness and a participant and an observer of art, like art feels like a number one in terms of like really feeling that sense of, I think if you do art, right, like that you can tap into that ocean of everything that you're connecting to Mm -hmm. and then find that container to like move it through you as well and create from there, you know, along with the muse. And if you, and both if you do art or you, or a participant or a witness of art too, like that sense of feeling more moved and touched and inspired by what you're seeing or hearing, or, Mm. you know, I'd say by the end of the month, we're in Taurus season, what you're tasting, right? Like, so just to be really inspired by beauty and what that means to you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I'm like already thinking about, I think I'll take that weekend and maybe really focus on some creative projects. Now, just to go back to some of those blurred boundaries, you know, here we are, we're talking about relationships. So this might also be a time where you're looking at your boundaries around relationships. Are they working? Are they not working? You know, I always say Pisces is a recipe for codependence. And I mean that in the best way. But, you know, maybe looking at, you know, what are our boundaries? You know, how do we define our relationship and and, and that structure? So that could be a wonderful time for looking at that as well. I can't agree more. You know, I think, you know, sort of akin to that is there's another way of perceiving when there's so much Pisces or when there's Pisces right. or Neptune, right? And, you know, for example, in a relationship, you may start to pick up new things, Mm. but it's also like, am I picking up what's real or am I picking up like my projections? You know, am I picking up what I wish for in my partner in this relation, you know, this relationship, or is that actually real? And so I think that it's really important to like have something or someone to go back to, like a trusted friend, a counselor, like a sangha. What, or, you know, your own journaling practice that you can be like, okay, I'm feeling this, but is this, am I seeing this because I want to see this? Because this is the lens through which I'm viewing, or is this actually what's here? So yeah. I think, again, in terms of bringing in that opposite to um, 
Pisces, Virgo, like to find ways to discern yes, all yeah. that you, um, all that your now sensitive radar is able to pick up. Yeah. Great. Okay. One I more th- thing about that, with yeah. that moving on forever, because it's yeah. so like, it's boundaryless. We could talk about this for the rest <laughs> of our lives, for eternity. It's very Pisces. Is um, just watch with so much Pisces, that whole like victim, martyr, sacrifice yes. thing. Right. Of course. You know, because yeah. it's like, yes, I will do this for you. Or, you know, I, but it's like, do you really want to? Like, what do you right, really need to right. sacrifice? Again, you watch your boundaries. Yeah, that's great. Great. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so we are now prepared for all that <laughs> swim with Pisces. Let's shift gears for a moment and talk about something else that's happening that we feel like is definitely uh, noteworthy. And that is on April the 4th, we have Mars and Saturn coming together in a conjunction. So Mars and Saturn are both in Aquarius. And this is going to be interesting because, you know, Mars is just like, you know, let's move forward. Let's conquer new horizons. I am the warrior. And then we've got Saturn saying, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, you you know, what, you know, what are you doing? What are your boundaries? You know, is this sustainable? So let's take a minute and talk about that. Yeah, I just think it's such interesting timing that that is falling now. I mean, it happens every two-ish years in different signs, of course, but um, that here we are in like Pisces dreamland. And like, if I wish it, it will happen, right? And just like, let me just sort of like lose myself in art or you know my imagination and then mar you know saturn is basically saying to mars like be responsible with your actions like don't be willy-nilly do not be errant like really take a account for your mars your desires you know really connect to like your willpower and what it can do and how you can efficiently and thoughtfully fuel yourself and use your energy to proceed and pursue. And so it's- Proceed and pursue. That's, I love that. It's thank you. Thank <laughs> you, word God, Stephanie. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it feels very different than this sort of like, we're just floating along. You know, Mars Saturn is not, we're just floating along. It's like, where are you going to put that one foot? Oh, right there. Where are you going to put the next foot? Oh, right in front of it. You like, so it's, you know, and I think it's really important, you know, if we have not been say dotting our I's and crossing our T's when it comes to like owning our desires or being like responsible about our anger, right. And like what we want to conquer, we are going to hit a brick wall. Like there is going to be consequences. Um, And if we have been thoughtful, you know, the other side of Saturn, if we've been thoughtful and really taking stock of this, moving strategically in a sort of honoring the short-term and the long-term way, you know, Saturn brings the goods. Like it will concretize something. It's, you know, again, it's more April 4th. It's a little bit out, but like, you know, I, can't help but think like as we move towards Mars Saturn, like what will happen in the war in Ukraine? Yeah. You know, yeah. just because Mars is the warrior, right? And it is war and battles. Right. Um, and it's interesting that April 4th is the slated day for the uh, Senate Judiciary mm-hmm. United States uh, confirmation of Katenji Brian Jackson. So it's interesting, again, yeah. that timing with that, yeah. with the astrology. So what about you? What are you thinking well, about Mars no, Saturn? I, you know, I, I love, you know, when we talk about Saturn is, you know, Saturn 
brings both consequences and rewards. And so that's something to kind of keep in mind. And I love that you're bringing in what's happening in in the Ukraine. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. I kind of, when I feel into it, it's like, go with the flow, but do it mindfully, you know? (laughs) So it's kind of like finding that balance. And perhaps in some ways, Saturn can find a bit of a container you know what I mean? For some of this flowy, flowy, watery energy to some extent. I I think that'll be really, like, really, really helpful. And, you know, and I think too, you know, Mars Saturn doesn't say don't move. Like Saturn can feel like a stuck energy. It's like move, pursue really thoughtfully and it's in Aquarius. So it's like, do that with the help of your buddies, with your collective, with your group, with people who share your visions and your values, like come together, concretize your shared aims and move from there. So I think from a altruistic collective perspective, like it can be really powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also like as we're talking about this, I just want to mention this briefly, because around this time, we also here we are talking about Mars, and we're talking about Venus. This month, they both will be squaring the 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 lunar nodes. And so that is going to be playing out too. Do we want to just briefly mention a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So both Mars and Saturn will be squaring the nodes. And any time a planet squares the nodes is at that midpoint of the lunar nodes, it just is like both there's more emphasis on it. And it's almost like to move forward towards our fate and our destiny, yes, yes. we channel the energy through that planet. Yes. So it definitely highlights that even more. So it's yeah. pretty... It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and I, 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 I said Venus, but I meant Saturn. Saturn and Mars. Okay, what have we got next on our list and here? The, and then about, there's more. And, and then, there's, then more. there's more. I think we should talk about the lunations for the month, um, especially because we start the month with a Aries new moon. Of course, Aries new moon is very happy in Aries, and we actually have two new moons this month, one at the beginning and one at the end. And then of course we have a full moon in between. So let's start with that Aries new moon. Now it does have some Chiron energy. And of course, Chiron is the wounded healer planet. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what gets brought to the surface with that new moon, new moon, new beginnings, Aries move forward. It's springtime. Let's, you know, let's get out there and create, but let's talk about that Chiron piece, Stephanie. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's even though the Gregorian calendar is one could say it's sort of artificial, if you will, it's still really, we still buy into it, right? We still are like, it's April, it's March, it's July. And so always when there's like a new moon at the first of the month, just, I don't know, it always feels a little bit special. Like we're opening this month and we're opening up into something new. And, you know, with Aries, with it being an Aries, you know, Aries is about, creation and initiation and that fighting spirit, you know, and it's about marshalling your moxie, right? Corralling your courage, like finding that inner champion and that inner warrior within you. But again, with all that Aries, like there may be that ramp up of that energy in the world. So, and as you share, right, it conjoins with Chiron, the wounded healer, as well as Mercury, the messenger planet. And so I wonder whether with the Chiron piece, like we don't connect to, I'm saying that rhetorically, because we, meaning we do connect to um, the wounds around, I mean, I would actually say with Aries and Chiron, the wounds around war. 
Mm, right? Like that, that yeah, really yeah, elevates good. in our consciousness even more. And that with, with Mercury there, it's like we get the news of that even more, right? Yeah. Like that news is spread. And for us personally, it's, you know, maybe to look at where's that self-limiting narrative that you have lived with that keeps you from going after what you want, mm. that keeps you like bridled and not able to connect to a deeper level of bravery, right? That keeps you from just like connecting to that sense of, you know, a spark of life in your desires. Like what curtails that in you looking at that and really working, working to release yourself from that? Oh my gosh, I think that's a really great take on it. I've never really thought about that with the but that to me is so Chiron in there. You know, it's like what are your wounds around initiation? What are your wounds about, you know, standing up for yourself and, you know, initiating and leading your own parade, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really that's good. I like that a lot. <laughs> Actually, yes, okay. And so, okay, we're going to move forward and we could let's talk about the full moon in Libra. And this brings up again, those kind of Venus uh, themes about relationship and, you know, beauty and truth. And, you know, Libra is such an advocate for fairness and truth and justice. So again, it'll be interesting to see what gets illuminated, you know, out in the world and also within ourselves around, are we really standing in our truth? Are we really, you know, trying to Libra, one of the things about Libra, Libra is all about harmony. You know, are you really striving to like have harmony in your life? Are you living a balanced life? So those things could really be coming up to the forefront with the Libra full moon. And that's on April the 16th. Yeah, for sure. Right. And just like hoping that like Libra, the diplomat and the negotiator can actually like find (laughs) some accord with all of this Aries fighting energy. Like we should only just like hope and pray for that, but also to look within ourselves, right? When there's Aries and Libra, Aries and Libra, it's that balance between the I and the we. Like, and how can at least two eyes, like two selves, feel that sense of self while in the context in the container of a we, of an alliance, of a relationship. So yeah, it's all about that dance, right? You know, the dance of self and other and finding that middle ground. That's one thing about Libra is Libra is about that middle road and, you know, the beauty of the compromise and the beauty of that middle ground. Yeah. Okay, so let's little blah 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 wrap things up to the end of the month. Sorry. Let's go to the end of the month where we have another new moon, and it's not only a new moon; it is hello eclipse season. It is a eclipse, uh, Taurus solar eclipse, and then also. Um, Well, we're going to talk about Pluto too in just a moment. So we've got that Taurus eclipse, and it will be followed up by a lunar eclipse next month. So boy, here we go. We're beginning eclipse season, right? So you know what we say about eclipses, it's it's kind of like a lot of very intense energy where a lot comes to the surface. Yeah. And it like comes to the surface that feels like a sea change. And yet like things are a little hazy. Like <laughs> right, this right. just happened. And what will this do for me? And where will this take me? And 
I always, you know, remind people and myself, (laughs) because, you know, that like, if it's not clear, it's not supposed to be clear just yet. Like be with the unclarity and know that like giving space for that unclarity will allow that clarity to emerge that's in your highest, you know, that will be in the most alignment. Um, Yeah, so it's a Taurus solar eclipse. The sun goes into Taurus on the 19th. And then 11 days later on the 30th, we have that solar eclipse. So new moon, new beginnings in Taurus. So new beginnings related to like Taurian themes of of Gaia, of the earth, of our resources, of the tangible, of mm-hmm. the sensual, mm-hmm. of the practical, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, with a solar eclipse, as we often say, like, while it's new, what leads up to it is the release of the old. So if yeah, you find yeah. yourself like in the weeks leading up to the solar eclipse, that something is ending, something mm-hmm. is releasing, you need mm-hmm. to surrender something or let that go, that or, you know, that's just happening around your life. Like that is part and parcel for this, right? Yeah. The field gets clear so that when the seed is planted, it can root with more depth and integrity. Yeah. And so- you know, those are the general Torian themes, but of course you want to look at, and I think it's about eight or nine degrees or 11, we haven't, what is it like 10 ish degrees, 11 degrees of Taurus. Like where does that fall on your chart? Exactly. Where does that connect any planets or points or what house is it in? What will be coming alive for you with this eclipse? Yes. And you know, when anytime that we're talking about that Taurus energy, it also goes to our daily routines, you know, our daily rhythms and are those working for us? Are those not working for us? And also, you know, it might be really nice to have a Taurus new moon. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, you know, here we've been talking about all these different diverse energies and, you know, looking for the container, looking for that rooting or that grounding. And I think that new moon, that eclipse could really help us maybe ground into these energies maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's back to what you said earlier, right, about the container and needing that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that that's really important. And remember, too, you know, days before any new moon, including a solar eclipse, like it's dark and things may not feel clear and you just ride that through. And I just realized, like, because I didn't catch my attention before, that also on the 30th is a Venus-Jupiter conjunction. Yeah. And so like, it's more of that Taurus. It's like, it's beauty and it's pleasure and it's sensuality. And like, maybe you and I should like take yeah. the day off and like go to the museum and have a lovely lunch and sit in a hotel lobby. Like that feels very, you know, Venus, Jupiter in like a way to like celebrate the Taurus solar eclipse. You have a date, my dear. <laughs> I'm so excited. I thought it would be the perfect celebration for the new moon Taurus eclipse, Venus, Jupiter conjunction. Okay, one more thing. Yeah, before right, we before, get to the tarot card, yes, one more thing. Let's talk briefly about um, Pluto stationing retrograde. Of course, Pluto is in Capricorn. It's going to station retrograde for how long, Stephanie? A few months, right? Yeah, I think it goes out into like October, early October, mm-hmm. end of September. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting, right? Because since the beginning of February, we've had no retrograde planets. Right, right. All the planets were in direct motion. So there was that push forward that movement forward. And so now we're starting like to move into that retrograde phase where like then the planets one by one will go retrograde. Um, And as we like to say, like days before and after a planet switches directions, in this case goes retrograde for Pluto, 
its energy field feels really intense and really large. Mm -hmm. So the end of April and the beginning of May are Mm -hmm. going to feel very Plutonian, like very heavy, very intense, a lot of transformation, the need for digging and unearthing, perhaps, you know, secrets being revealed, you know, and but, you know, we always invite you to like, you know, you dig, you unearth, like go within yourself to find those buried treasures or, you know, in your work or what have you, like, you know, have that sense of like tenacity to be like, and what, what else? And what else? And what else? And Well, you can, our listeners out there can see why we got a little overwhelmed putting all this together. Doesn't it feel like a lot in in, in so many ways? Yes, there is a lot going on. And and that's why we love doing this podcast is we can like give you a heads up on how to work with these, with these energies. All right. I think we're finally to the tarot card for the month. Are you ready? I am. (laughs) So the tarot card that we chose for April is actually the moon card. That's right. The moon card of the major arcana. And part of why we chose it is because we have these three lunations this month, right? And then the eclipse and, and all of that. So what does the moon card represent? And interestingly, in the tarot, and remember, all the cards have a ruling astrological sign or planet. The sign that rules the moon card is Pisces. So perfect. So the archetype of the moon is really about going within into our darkness and looking for the light. And when we think about moonlight, moonlight can be very deceptive. And as Stephanie talked about before, what is real? What is not real? And moonlight can be very seductive. And it takes us out into those magical territories that can be very wonderful and fanciful, but is it real? Now, the thing about the moon card, too, is it represents the past, especially your emotional past. And when the moon card comes up in a reading, it oftentimes represents that we're stuck in old patterns or or old Piscean stagnant waters. And so with the moon card, again, it's very much about ultimately illumination and transformation, but we have to come out of the dark. We have to come out of those deep stagnant waters and rise out of them so we can like come out of the dark side of the moon into the light. And it's that very journey of going through the darkness and, you know, going through those waters and coming out is all a part of the illumination and the transformation and the journey. Now, it's interesting when I talk about the moon card, I often, the nickname I have for the card is the therapy card. And it was interesting you brought this up before because a lot of times when we're in the darkness, when we're in the weeds of our emotions or illusions, again, remember, moonlight is very illusionary. It's hard to see the forest for the trees or what is real or not real. So seeking advice, counsel, someone that can be you know, uh, that can guide you through your own darkness. In a lot of decks with the moon card, you'll see a wolf and a dog. And the wolf is howling at the moon, representing that supernatural primal instinct. And the dog is actually Anubis. And Anubis is the Egyptian guard dog of the underworld. And it's Anubis that leads us through the underworld and out again. 
So that's, again, the idea of like looking for counsel or looking for guidance. Be willing to go into that darkness, knowing that as you come out into the light, that's where the transformation happens. So this month, the moon card is a really powerful archetype. I mean, it's the perfect, perfect (laughs) guidance card. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. Um, Any announcements that you want to make before we close? Well, why, yes, Stephanie. And here we are talking (laughs) about, you know, the imagination, intuition, and spiritualness. Um, I do have a class coming up on April the 3rd, and it is Developing Your Intuition. This is a great class. I love teaching it. We go into all the ins and outs of intuition and how to develop yours in a safe and practical way. I love that's perfect. Yes, 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 yes. So, Stephanie, do you have an announcement before we wrap up? Um, yes, I actually have two events. They're in the works, and then we, you and I, are working on an event as well. Um, so, I have two events. One, this is in Seattle. One is on June fifth, and it's going to be a collaboration between myself and a jewelry designer. So, we're, it's going to be like talking about. A, we're going to work through the moon and astrology, and you can. It's a hands-on. Um, workshop so you can make your own pendant. So I'll give you more details about that. And then just, I can't really say much, but a dream has come true. And I am doing an uh, workshop program event with a local hotel related to sleep and dreams, which I will talk much more about next month. But I'm just so excited because oh, I just found exciting. out that I wanted sleep to share. And, dreams. and it feels like Jupiter Neptune. It's just it really a dream come true. So yes. Congratulations, Stephanie. And if you want to find out more about Stephanie's events, stephaniegaling.com. If you want to find out more about my events, meganskinner.com. As always, we love hearing from you at sodivine.us. And we love you. Have a wonderful April. Have a wonderful April. And big shout out again to our producers, Sebastiano Tecchio and Nick Petri. And if you ever do a podcast and you want to get their information, just send us a note. They're amazing. And have a magical April. Bye.